this is for the trainer track. I don't know which section yet. It is... The file name should be Socrates. S-O-C-R-A-T-E-S. It might go in this section on invocation. Socrates was one of those dudes who was living in Greece at the time when um, all the cool ideas were first being written down into a form that would be preserved for all of Western civilization. It was the time when um, libraries were, were beginning and a form of writing that would last was um, created and a, a, a cultural system that was organized enough to protect written information um, originated. So it was a time when uh, people who were liked to think uh, became famous because um, their names were associated with all these ideas that had been around for thousands and thousands of years, but nobody had ever written them down before. So. In any case, Socrates was, uh, in my opinion, a spiritual master and was working in, the, uh, I believe it was Athens. I'd like to check this information to make sure it's correct. Um, so we need to look up a little bit of information about Socrates in an encyclopedia or something. Um, that's a parenthesis, that's a note for whoever's typing this. The reason that I'm interested in, the reason that, the reason that we mentioned Socrates is because he used a method that has been named after him called the Socratic method for teaching the men and women who associated themselves with him in a, in a student-teacher relationship. The fundamental premise of the Socratic method is that a person already knows everything. That there is nothing missing, that nothing needs to be added, that there is nothing wrong. They simply need to go through a process of remembering or recalling or um, stopping to forget. And they have access to um, all knowledge and all wisdom. Essentially, this is the same premise that we have in the event. And we simplify that entire concept into three words. You are okay. So by being okay, what that means is that there's nothing missing. And the entire process of the event, all of the processes are designed to clear away those things which keep us from remembering. Each of us has layers and layers of obscurations that disconnect us from our wisdom, our innocence, our instinct. And the work of the event is 
metaphorically the same as the work of wiping the water droplets away from a mirror so that the mirror is clear, or um, the same as evaporating a fog so that the sun can appear. The word education comes from the, wor the root word educe. Educe means to draw out, to call out, to attract out, to, to bring out. And a trainer must be highly skilled in the art of, of educing. So uh, this is a description of what the process of educing looks like and how it works, the mechanics of educing. First, we'll begin by saying what doesn't work. What doesn't work is to tell somebody the answer. No matter how loud or how truthful what you're saying is, no matter how obvious to everybody else, the answer is a, telling a person the answer does them no good. In fact, it does them harm. Because by telling a person an answer that they have not yet arrived at themselves is destroying the possibility of, of them um, obtaining that for themselves It destroys, it, it destroys the possibility of a person being, becoming empowered. When a participant in the event is able to have an aha experience and to reclaim their knowledge about themselves, it is a it is a big empowerment. They become they are empowered by that experience. And this is one of the main experiences that a person can have by participating in the event, is by self-discovering and becoming empowered by the act of self-discovering, by the experience of self-discovering. What a trainer must be able to do is to create conditions under which self-discovery can occur. So far, to the, the, so far, the most ideal conditions for self-discovery that we have encountered is the demanding process. And I want to review the demanding process in brief as a way of describing um, what it means to educe. The demanding process has several steps and begins with um, confrontation of denial. This can take many forms, is usually very loud, may appear abusive or rude or unconventional or unexpected and uncontrollable and is sometimes frightening and often 
in, uh, produces the reaction of rage and anger or fear in somebody who the demand is on. All of this is on purpose. The purpose being to perturb a, a defense structure, to rattle somebody's cage. The cage is a psychological defense strategy set up to protect a person from becoming something other than who they are in prison, who they are in the cage. It's a totally controlled condition and has no possibility of um, moving anywhere to, to somewhere else than that. In order for eduction to occur, in order, in, in order for eduction to occur, there has to be some space. There has to be some freedom of movement. There has to be some a door open. There has to be a possibility of something other than uh, the prison to, or the defense strategy to occur. So the demand, the demanding process is the most efficient and effective method that we've ever discovered for producing an, an opening of possibility, for making something possible that wasn't possible before. Note, whenever I say note, it means uh, not to be typed in, but uh, something else that we have to do. So uh, note, I would like to have in this section some quotes from Socrates. Socrates has a bunch of great quotes and, and we can find some someplace and I would like to include them in this section, especially those pertaining to um, the Socratic method of, of learning and teaching. End of note. Once the demanding process has been successful in opening a door or, or rattling the cage and making something opening a possibility that wasn't there before, then the next step of the demanding process can occur. Usually this involves some kind of deep emotional clearing, either consciously, what that means is um, that some wound was, um, you know, abuse or abandonment or um, betrayal, something like that was experienced and, and the feelings were never expressed because it was not safe to express those feelings. So the feelings were repressed or suppressed and the person disconnected from um, an, a, an aspect of themselves that would have given them power. So they disempower themselves so as not to be a threat to their environment so as to uh, stay alive. What the demanding process does is bring a person back into a situation where um, the similar or exact intensity of emotions is experienced so that a new decision can be made, so that something else can occur rather than the shutdown and the, and the disconnection. Well, what is wished or the vision of the demand is that at that time, 
through the deep emotional, deep expression of emotions, that um, that the that the part of ourselves that we excuse me, so that we we can reconnect with that part that we disconnected from at that time. What we discovered is that um, if the if the emotions can be re-expressed and a new decision made, a new sentence formulated, which is like a new reference point made, then the, the reordering occurs by itself. The, reor the reordering takes care of itself so that the connection happens, the reconnection happens all by itself. There is nothing usually needed for the reconnection to occur. A person gets their voice back or their feelings back or their ability to make boundaries. Or their passion back. They get these back automatically when that which has suppressed, that like the decision that has suppressed them or disconnected them is changed. The Socratic method, or educing, is, is used in this second stage of the demanding process, when there's an opening, after the opening has occurred. The person whom the demand is on needs to, to have a realization. Realization cannot be had by somebody else. And it is during this second part of the demanding process that it's most crucial that the trainer show up and navigate or, or lead and, um, and take everybody's attention to to a place where magic can occur. What I mean by magic is the same as realization. It's a shift. It's a, an expansion, or a, it's a um, having something become different than the way it was before. This is a non-linear phenomena, and then for that reason, I refer to it as magic. Instead of going A, B, C, D, the process that I'm speaking about goes A, B, C, oranges. Scuba diving, violin, playing the violin. In order for a trainer to be able to take everybody's attention condition in which the nonlinear can occur, or perhaps to take everyone's attention away from something so that the nonlinear can occur, the trainer has to have access to such possibilities within themselves and also must be able to um, sp split their attention in ways to have their attention on the present as to what's going on right now and their attention on the big map as to where we're going with the whole thing. 
just exactly what it is that is necessary for a person to realize in their demand is not cannot be predicted generally. It cannot be planned. It, it's as unexpected to the trainer as it is to the person that the demand is on. What the trainer must be able to do is create conditions under which the realization can occur. And, and that's why we're speaking about the Socratic method. Because the Socratic method is not about laying a trip on somebody or already knowing the answer and uh, uh, molding a person from the outside so that they are that answer, so that they become that answer. It's not a matter of shaping but a manner, a matter of creating a chamber that is safe enough for unshaping to occur. It's as if a, um, a substance were like wax was was shaped into a specific form, like say it's shaped into a, a candle, and then it can function as a candle, and uh, that's, its, that's, that's the only way it can function is as a candle, but under conditions, under certain conditions, which we refer to as heat and chaos, stress and chaos, the candle will actually melt and become no shape. Wax does not have a crystalline structure, it's amorphous. So human beings are essentially amorphous. That is, they have the ability to take on um, many shapes rather than a natural, a natural shape, a, na a, a predictable, Necessary shape because of their because of their structure. They they are amorphous. They do not have a crystalline structure. That's why we have so many different languages, so many different cultures, so many different subcultures, so many different um, viewpoints from human being to human being all around the world, all through the centuries. It's because human beings are are amorphous. They don't have a an innate shape. So demanding process creates an environment in which a person is able to uh, relax into or become amorphous again, to drop what structure they had, their belief systems, their have-tos, their shoulds, and, the, and to um, allow something else to show up. The something else is part of the big map, and it can only be spoken of in general terms. What we mean is archetypal terms, like uh, legendary terms. The trainer has a vision for a person to show up as a man or a woman with archetypal capacities of the deep feminine and deep masculine 
and to be that the person can rest in that or 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 um, lie just stand in that the person can stand in that and out of that in each moment show up as is necessary, show up as what is wanted and needed, and respond to every given situation freely and accurately, which is what we define wise innocence as. So during the second stages of the demanding process, when the trainer is paying very close attention to every nuance and mood and tone and indication of the space of what's occurring for everybody who's there. What the trainer is doing is moving in the direction of, of allowing a realization to occur for the person who the demand is on. The closest thing that it looks like is a dance. When a tarantula wasp locates a tarantula, this is from the, from the deserts of Arizona, and the tarantula wasp decides that this is the tarantula it is going to sting and paralyze and drag to a hole in the ground and lay its egg on so that the baby tarantula wasp, when it comes out of the larva, can devour and eat the, the paralyzed tarantula as its first big meal. When the tarantula wasp chooses its victim, there is no hope for the tarantula. It's a done deal. The tarantula is dead. This is the same dance that occurs in the second part of the demanding session. I can say this with such confidence that there is no hope for the mask in this situation. There is no hope that the mask or the act or the psychological defense strategy will survive because the trainer is representing truth. The trainer is representing, in serving the space, the trainer is representing a higher truth than the mask. And in this sacred space of the event, the higher truth prevails. That's the beauty of this process called the event. Because it doesn't mean that the trainer prevails. It doesn't mean that the biggest, baddest, meanest, toughest guy prevails. It doesn't, there's only one thing that prevails, and that is the truth. And it doesn't matter who it's spoken by, it doesn't matter how it's arrived at, the smallest, youngest, weakest person speaking the truth truth speaker and this and the, the space will conform to that the, the space doesn't necessarily conform immediately and it doesn't necessarily conform um, e 
comfortably without without chaos or without breakdown or without um, suffering or pain, but it will conform to it. I suppose if there is one belief in, in the event that this is it, it's like a belief that basic goodness will prevail. So the skill that's necessary for a trainer is to be able to create a situation out of nothing in which a participant, a person who the demand is on, can realize the truth for themselves. And creating this is very delicate work. One of the laws or um, observations about this work is that the person who the demand is on, the person in the hot seat, the person who everybody's attention is on, the focus, that person is generally the last person to get it. Everyone else in the room will get it before they do. And if, if it's not, if this is not orchestrated, carefully with attention, then um, one of the other participants or the trainer himself might accidentally, or, or since there are no accidents, unconsciously destroy the possibility for that person to get it for ego reasons, for like, hey, I got it, uh, um, for, for saying, um, I got it before you did, or I got it better than you did, or um, look how great I am, I got it, those kinds of reasons. And it's, it's really important that a trainer not allow that to occur by, um, by holding that boundary, making that boundary with everybody. The boundary is no hints. The boundary is let the person get it themselves because um, by giving a person the answer we have this reading about the emperor moth, a man discovering the cocoon of an emperor moth and taking it home to watch the moth come out and seeing that the moth has to struggle so much, so intently to get out through the small opening that occurs in the cocoon, the man thinks that he's going to help the condition by um, cutting the hole bigger with a tiny pair of scissors. And as the moth comes out, he sees that the body is very large and swollen and the wings are small and wrinkled. And the man, not having had, not knowing already, thinks that pretty soon the wings will grow and spread out in the natural beauty, but that doesn't occur. It does not occur. And he's, he's, his awakening happens when he observes that the moth spends the rest of its life dragging around a body that's all swollen and fat and the wings are wrinkled and useless, non-functional. So 
the man realizes that the, the little cutting he made of the cocoon to make it easier for the moth to come out was not merciful, as he thought. It was, in fact, the greatest possible disservice that he could do for the moth. And as amazing as it might seem that what was called for, what was necessary, the necessary ingredient for the moth to become a moth was for it to struggle for hours, if necessary, to emerge from the cocoon. In this, the struggling, the, the wrestling, the squeezing out through the small hole was for the moths, um, for the moths situation, it was that's the process that squeezed the fluid from the body into the wings and made the wings expand and shape into their natural form. For man or woman to struggle with um, and wrestle with and do battle with and, and suffer in um, fight and squirm with the, um, with, the, with the previous decision or the previous, the already present psychological defense strategy and wrestle with this by themselves to the point where they get it. Um, this is a, a basic necessary ingredient for the, the demanding process to succeed and for a person to have a realization that is authentic, for the person to actually move from below the line to above the line. They must go through this nonlinear struggle process of uh, trying to get it and in a room where everybody else has already gotten it, it is so tempting for ego to exclaim or um, give a hint that, that is too obvious. And that's the key here, to give a hint that is too obvious, that it disempowers and destroys the possibility of a person ever getting it for themselves, ever. And I want to stress this, they will never get it for themselves because what happens is, is once an answer is spoken, and once, once it's an obvious answer and it's spoken into the space by someone other than the person struggling, the mind takes this answer and clings to it as some kind of solution or, ant or key and, and will not let the realization occur in the body. It holds the answer in the mind and the body never gets it and that will basically be true for the rest of the person's life. So by giving a hint that is um, that is by giving a hint, really by giving a hint, it, is, it destroys the possibility for a person to get it themselves. What's, what works, so giving hints doesn't work. What works is induction. What works is educing. What works is invoking, producing a space in which a person can wrestle, can and has all the necessary ingredients in the environment to, to reassemble them into a new order that's more beautiful, more functional, more um, evolved than before. So this is what Socrates did. He would have discussions or conversations with his students. And his basic assumption is, you are OK. You already have everything that you need. 
It's all there. All you have to do is remember. And he would help people remember by, by asking them questions, not giving answers. He would ask them questions that would point them in the direction of getting it. He would not ask questions that, that, that destroyed the possibility of a person getting it themselves, but, but he would ask questions that would create the possibility of a person getting it themselves. And that's the distinction that a trainer must make. And I want to stress the word must. If a trainer can't make this distinction, he's not a trainer. And he can't produce magic. And he can't, he can't lead the event. So as you might guess, this process requires an immense amount of patience, a tremendous amount of patience and compassion and a kind of spaciousness that is really only produced by a kind of humor. A, a trainer has to have a relaxed sense of humor and an understanding that it's quite possible that this might not succeed. But every attempt that he, every space that he creates as an opportunity for a participant of the event to get might not be used. It might be destroyed, be destroyed rather than used. And each time, each time the opportunity is abandoned or destroyed, the trainer can't take it personally. It has. It's like um, building a sandcastle for a child. Usually, the child will not appreciate. Um, you know, sit, uh, a young child will not sit back and just enjoy the beauty or the artistic value or the functionality or the, um, or the invocation of a sandcastle. They will not appreciate that. What they will do is dive in and destroy it. And that will be the way they use that. And that will be the most common experience that a trainer will have with working with people is that every uh, possibility or door he opens all, most of them will be destroyed or um, shut without being used. And a trainer cannot take that personally. It has to be simply... Um, um, a, 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 uh, just like kind of a patient sense of humor. The trainer must have just like a sense of humor about it. And it cannot be a cynical sense of humor. There cannot be cynicism there. If there is cynicism, there, it, um, the trainer will, will not last being a trainer. There will be no enjoyment or no, um, no uh, pleasure, no, 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 um, it will be too expensive for a trainer to um, create opportunities over and over and over again for people that are ignored or abandoned or destroyed, unconsciously mostly, or mechanically, with no, um, with no regard for the beauty of the possibility that was available previous to them being destroyed. If a trainer is cynical about this, it will, it will be too expensive and a trainer will run out of energy and just run out of hope and give up in uh, this battle against unconsciousness. Scratch the word battle and put dance 
instead in this, in this dance with unconsciousness. This doesn't mean a trainer does not put his heart and soul into the, every, every uh, invocation, every opportunity he creates, every space he opens up. It doesn't mean that. He does. A trainer does that. But a trainer does it uh, not using his uh, primate energy. He does not He does it n not using um, his own energy. He does it using the energy of the space. Because <laughs> it's really the space that is making all this available. And in serving the space, a trainer, um, a trainer simply provides what the space is offering in terms of in terms of um, the vision of the deep fa feminine and deep masculine that's available in the, at the moment for the person that the demand is on. And in serving the space by making that available, a person will either get it or not get it. And it's not up it's not a personal thing whether a person gets it or doesn't get it or to what level they get it because this is largely determined by a person's previous work. It's determined by their capacity to get or to hold what they get. It, it's determined by their matrix, by... Um, by the condition of the soil, so to speak. The seed will either sprout and grow and take hold and live and thrive on the conditions of the soil. Is too many rocks, too dry, too many other weeds, not enough potassium, not enough nitrogen, too much salt, etc., etc. Those conditions um, are preconditions. They are um, what a person, a participant in the event, brings with them into the event. It's not something created in the event. So those preconditions are what a trainer works with. And um, it's up to a trainer to be able to detect the um, person's ability to hold what's being offered and to invoke or um, create, open the door for a person to take what for them is their next step. A person can only move from one place to another one step at a time. So a human being becomes either an adult, the, the shift from being a child to an adult is done one step at a time. And the steps are taken one after the other. The steps cannot be taken a step here and a step a half a mile from here. The step has to be taken the first step here and then the step after that and the step after that. And a trainer must know, be able to detect and determine exactly what the next step for a person is so that they're not opening a door or creating a possibility for a person that is too far away for them to, to take as a step because that will be a, a lose. That will be a lose for the person. They will not be empowered. The wish of the trainer is to empower a person, and that is for a person to have a win. So it does not matter where the demand is or where the demand goes, what happens, not, none of that matters, as long as a person, by the end of the event, has a major win. But they are delighted by what they get delighted by the new possibilities for themselves. 
and all of that is destroyed if a trainer gives hints that are not that are that are that are too close to the answer. So that so that there's no possibility for a person to get it themselves. So for example, if a person is stuck, say in their job situation, or their boss is doing so and such, and, and uh, um, their family is responding in such and such a way, the, the trainer doesn't come up to them and say, well, you know, uh, quit your job, ask for a raise. Go to your superior. It doesn't. It doesn't like say. Well, why don't you get? Why don't you quit your job? Why don't you? Um, why don't you move your desk? Why don't you? You, you know, each one of those kinds of uh, um, statements. There is nothing for the person to get. Like the kinds of questions a trainer asks are things like, "What do you feel?" Well, what do you want? Um, well, does this work for you? Um, what, you know, what's what? What don't you like here? What's what's the problem? Um, where are you going? What's your vision? Um, what what's okay and what's not okay? And what are you going to do about it? What what are all the things that you could do that would make a difference here? Are any of those things uh, interesting to you? How could you solve this problem? How could you create something that would that you would really enjoy? What position are you playing on the drama triangle? What's your payoff for being in this position? These are the kinds of questions that open doors and create possibilities for people that they can move through themselves so that by moving through themselves they learn how to move they learn how how to grow up they learn how to take responsibility they get it in their body that they have the power to make a difference for themselves and for others in their life and they do that by um, acting with commitment, with responsibility, and um, with integrity and impeccability. And those are, those are the laws that produce power. Those are the produce results. That's the procedure for change. And it's also a lot more interesting that a person can't get that except by themselves, and a trainer trying to give that to a person without creating a situation where they can get it for themselves, the trainer is fooling themselves. The trainer is providing a disservice. The trainer is actually destroying things and, and doing evil. It's like uh, the trainer is really um, being serving unconsciousness, serving uh, ego. The highest thing that a person can get from the event is this ability to uh, 
create conditions for themselves in their own life where they can continue the process of the event um, by ruthless self-honesty and um, self-observation and um, asking questions and then asking the next questions and asking the questions that they never would normally ask because questions are the things that open doors and make possibilities possible so that what a person does in their life is shift from um, um, living in a position to living in the process of moving from um, um, unconsciousness to consciousness. This process is called self-invoking, and it's a, it's a nonlinear, open-ended, no-top-end process of evolution that we are teaching in the event. And that a trainer must be involved in, not out of um, fulfilling some requirements for being a trainer, but out of instinct, out of uh, uh, natural uh, relationship to life, is is um, will, um, is uh, engaging evolution at that level. Socrates would have been a great event director. 